Hey everybody, I'm Rick Countryman and welcome to Here's the Deal with Rick Countryman. This is our fourth broadcast. This is our fourth broadcast and I'm just really grateful that all of you are joining me, whether you're joining live right now on the Facebook broadcast or maybe you're listening to the podcast. The podcasts are always uh, downloaded a little later. And uh, anyway, I'm just thankful you're, you're with us. This is turning out to be really, really fun for me. I'm getting tons of email questions from you. And if you have a question, you can send it to me at rickc at bvg.org, rickc at bvg.org. And I'm getting tons of them, so I can't answer every single one on this broadcast, uh, but I can answer some of them. And uh, in fact, I'm thinking about doing something fun. If I do answer your question, okay, you send me an email question, and I decide like today I'm gonna, there's a one question that I'm, I'm gonna answer. Um, if I use it, I'm thinking about maybe a special gift that you would get. Uh, today I was out on my walk and somebody uh, saw me and said, hey, listen, I've been watching your broadcast, or actually, I've been listening to your podcast, and I really enjoy it. And then they started asking me some questions about um, about one of the broadcasts, and I just had a great time uh, in a neighbor. I didn't even know who this person was. It was, a, it was a guy, and he was out in his front yard. But anyway, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I love doing this. I, I hope it's a blessing to you as you listen. But I do need you to uh, share this. So at the end of the broadcast, just hit share. Get it out there to those, you know, those friends of yours that you, you have influence over. And if you want to get the podcast, you just go to Apple Podcasts and you type in, here's the deal with Rick Countryman in the search bar, and there it'll be. And then just you know subscribe. And then you can take me with you on walks or whatever it might be. So go to Apple Podcasts. Put in here's a deal with Rick Countryman and subscribe. It's absolutely free. A lot of you have said, hey, can this be longer? Uh, and um, I, did, I, I can talk for a long time of just about anything. Uh, but right now I'm trying to keep it at about 20 minutes and that's the way we're going to do it. We are going to make some changes. Uh, Chad Pippen, Pastor Chad Pippen at our church has got some ideas about how to make this a little better quality, especially when I want to interview guests. And so we'll be making some changes and so that if you're watching on the Facebook or, or uh, broadcast of the YouTube uh, channel, you'll, it'll just look better. It, obviously, if you're listening on a podcast, it doesn't matter. So uh, anyway, I want to I get going here. I want to I start and, and, and see how, how far we can get into this thing. Um, so last week, my, my big discussion point was, you know, if you're single and you want to get married or maybe you've divorced and you want to remarry or whatever, I gave you two things that you needed to look, you know, two things that would guarantee a great marriage. I guaranteed you'd have a great marriage. And the first one was you got to choose wisely, right? You got to make a wise choice and who you're going to say I do to, right? You're going to enter into a covenantal relationship with somebody. you got to choose wisely. 
And then the second thing I told you is, is after you make a wise choice, just treat that person kindly. Treat them with great honor and respect or treat them the way you'd want to be treated. And if you make a wise choice and you treat that person kindly, man, I guarantee it. I guarantee you'll have a great marriage. Now, if you don't choose wisely, you know, you choose some jerk or some, you know, guy who's just mean or evil or whatever, then the second one doesn't matter, right? Doesn't matter how you treat them because they're just bad. They're just a bad person. So you got to, you know, start with choosing wisely. And then the other side of the coin is you can choose wisely, make a great choice, great guy, whatever it is, great gal. And then if you don't treat them kindly, if you don't treat them with honor and respect, it ain't going to work. So they're both really needed, okay? Choosing wisely and treating kindly. Well, I had mentioned a passage in Scripture last week about choosing wisely that um, God shares with us in His Word. And, and it was 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, okay? This is a part of choosing wisely. God says to His people, his followers, those that are Christians, those that name the name of Christ, he says to them, do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Okay, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Don't be unequally yoked together with somebody that's an unbeliever. Well, I had a lot of questions about that. Why, why would God, you know, tell us that? Well, why is that in Scripture? Why is that important to God that his people wouldn't be unequally yoked with somebody that's an unbeliever? And so I do want to take a moment and maybe unpack that a little bit before I get to the, the email question of the day kind of a thing. Um, there's a lot of reasons why God tells us this, tells us to be you know, to not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. A lot of reasons. But I'm going to give you a, a real practical one. I'm going to be super pragmatic here. Okay? So, uh, you're a believer. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're a Christian. You've given your life to the Lord. Uh, you're one of His uh, children. You're one of His disciples. And you want to get married. Whether you're a guy or a gal. Okay? You want to, you want to marry somebody. And let's just suppose you decide that you don't want to follow God's advice, God's wisdom, God's command. And you say, you know, I don't care what the Word of God says. I don't care what God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I've met this really neat guy. I've met this really neat gal. And I really love them. I mean, man, Pastor Rick, I get goosebumps every time I'm with them. I love them. I know that they're not a believer or maybe they're, you know, a Muslim and they believe something different than you do. Or maybe they're Jewish and, and, and but, but it doesn't matter to me. We love each other. And so you make the decision to blow off God. You make the decision to not follow God's command here and you marry somebody who's not a believer or maybe they're in a, 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 a different religion or something like that let me just say number one that in and of itself is really dicey when you make the decision to do exactly what adam did in genesis chapter three when god said adam 
eat, don't eat from that tree over there. Don't eat that fruit from that tree. And Adam says, you know what? I don't care what you say, God. I'm eating from it. When God clearly gives you a command, like 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 6 here, it's a clear command from God, and you say, just like Adam said, hey, I'm not going to obey that. I don't care what your word says. I don't care what you command me to do. I love this guy. I love this gal, and I'm going to marry him anyway. When you do that, look, I just want you to know, there's, there's a consequence. It may not happen that day or that week or the day you say I do or the week after or the month after you're married. I, I don't know when a consequence will come, but one will come. There's no way that our Father is going to allow His children to simply disobey Him. He's not going to do it. And so, just on a practical sense, I don't know what the consequence will be, but there'll be one. But I want to even get more practical, okay? So you say, hey, look, I'm not going to follow what God says, and I'm going to marry this person, and I'm just going to have some fun here, okay? And you decide as a believer, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that you're going to marry this really good Jewish boy or this really good Jewish gal, okay? And so you, you, you marry them. Okay? You're a Christian. You believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the Savior, you believe that he's deity. You believe that he's the second person of the Holy Trinity. And the person that you married doesn't believe that. They may think Jesus was a good man, a good person, maybe a prophet, something like that. But they don't believe he's deity. They don't believe he's the second person of the Holy Trinity. They don't believe that he died on the cross for our sins. They don't believe that he lived a sinless life. They believe something totally different. But you're now married. And you were in love and all that. So how does this work? Do you, do, do you in your home on Monday and Wednesdays believe that Jesus was the Son of God and on Thursdays and Friday He wasn't the Son of God? Do, do you go to you know, synagogue one week with your spouse and then the, you know, a Christian church the next week? How does that work? You're a follower of Jesus Christ. His word is you know, your will for your life. And here you now are married to somebody who doesn't even believe in half of this book. They don't believe in the New Testament. How does that work? I'm telling you, there's, there, there's, there's problems that are there immediately. And then imagine if you have children. And all of a sudden, you know, you got one or two little ones running around the house. And what are you going to teach them? Are you going to teach them that Jesus is deity? Well, wait a minute. The person you married doesn't believe that. So are you going to sit down and teach your children? Well, you know, they're, you know, God was, you know, Jesus in human form. And then, you know, your spouse sits him down and says, no, 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 that's not true. He wasn't. Are you going to take him to church one Sunday and synagogue the next Sunday? What about when you want to have your child baptized and your spouse who's Jewish says, no, you're not going to get him. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. There's all kinds of really practical reasons why God says, look, if truly you're one of my children, if truly you've given your life to my son, if truly the scriptures are your 
guidepost to life, if you truly have a biblical worldview, look, you can't marry somebody who's either an unbeliever or they believe in some other faith. It just isn't going to work on a practical plane. And I know what some of you are going to say. You're saying to yourself, well, man, I love that person. Well, I don't care. It takes more than love to have a great marriage. And some of you are going, what do you mean it takes more than love? Yeah, you got to have love. Love has one of the ingredients of having a great marriage. But it takes more than love to have a great marriage. I know a lot of people that loved each other and they broke up. And they split up. And they got divorced or whatever it might be. And so, yes, love is a big deal, but it takes more than love. And one of the things that it takes when you make a wise choice is that you marry somebody who believes what you believe, who believes that Jesus was the Son of God, who believes that, you know, Jesus died on a cross. In other words, Easter means something to the man or the woman you marry. Christmas means something to the man or the woman that you marry because you have the same beliefs. So... That, that just, I, I gave you a practical, I gave you two practical things. One, you just don't blow God off and not have some sort of consequence, okay? Uh, you know, and number two, man, I just talked about your life together, your spiritual life together and your children down the road. So anyway, I want to move on and get to, uh, you know, I get all these email questions uh, all week. Okay, I got, I got a ton of them this past week. And sometimes I just get back to you with an answer. Sometimes I'll, I'll call if they're super weighty because I want to talk to you because I know I'm not going to be able to answer all of them on, on the broadcast. But I do have one that I want to talk about now. And obviously because of the election that just happened, this became a big deal. And a lot of people have asked me similar questions here. Okay. So, um, Here's, here, here's the, uh, here, here was the email I got. My wife voted for Joe Biden. And I can't forgive her for that. We don't get along anymore, and I don't know what to do. Can you really be a Christian and vote for someone that is for abortion? I hope you'll answer this on your program. Now, I actually got this question a number of weeks ago, uh, the first week, and, and I've saved it till now. So the question is, can you really be a Christian and vote for someone that is for abortion? And here, here's what I want to do, okay? I'm just going to take about five, six minutes and, and, and kind of help you see something. I want to lay a little bit of a foundation for you, all right? So when you look at scripture, okay, and I, I, I want to, you got to write these scriptures down and, and save them, look at them later. The first one is Psalms 139, okay? Psalms 139 gives us a pretty, pretty clear theological understanding of life, okay? When a woman's egg, that microscopic egg, and a man's sperm, his microscopic sperm, when they get together, okay, at the moment of conception, something crazy happens, something miraculous happens, that becomes a life. It begins to grow and mature inside of a woman's womb. 
I mean, there's no doubt about the fact that that is a life. It is alive. Now, obviously, it needs the womb of a woman to continue to grow and mature, but it is a life. And I love how King David worded this, okay? King David said this um, in Psalms 139. He said, for you, talking about God, form me in my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. There is this beautiful illustration of what happens inside of a, a mother's womb. Obviously, God, through his Holy Spirit, had David pin these words. Because David wasn't a surgeon. He, he, wasn't, he didn't have x-rays and PET scans and, and you know all those kinds of things. He, he didn't have any medical journals he could look at. But he knew that there was something incredible about the human body. He knew that when he was inside of his mother's womb, that he was being formed. And, and here we see in Scripture, in Psalms 139, this theological truth that life is happening in the womb. Obviously, it's growing and maturing and all of that, but it is without a doubt a life. God is the one who is doing this miraculous work within the womb of a woman. But I also just want to share with you what Jeremiah said, or what God said, right, uh, about Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, God says, Before uh, I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you, and I... Uh, before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. So long before Jeremiah was ever a twinkle in his parents' eyes, God already knew who he was. God already had a plan for his life. He was appointed to, to be a prophet to the nations. And here's the deal. You probably haven't been appointed to be a prophet to the nations. But you are like Jeremiah. God knew you long before you ever were a twinkle in your parents' eyes. And he has a plan for your life also, just like he had for Jeremiah's life. And he had that plan before you were ever born. So when you were conceived, obviously that is a life. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 13 we're told about this incredible moment where an angel of the Lord shows up to Zechariah and Elizabeth and basically says, listen, you're going to have a, a baby. It was going to be John the Baptist. And in that passage, it tells us, God says, the Holy Spirit will be upon your child, John the Baptist, even while he's in utero, even while he's in the womb. And here's the deal. God's Holy Spirit doesn't... Um, fill just a bunch of cells. The Holy Spirit simply fills human life. And so John the Baptist was inside Elizabeth's womb. And guess what? The Holy Spirit filled John while inside the womb. That alone tells you 
that that is a life. So, as that is, um, I don't know, a theological um, underpinning that 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 you know babies inside their mothers that that's a life. So now you get to the question, you know, can you vote for somebody who would is okay would would with with abortion they're okay taking a life before it comes out of a woman's womb and that in there lies the 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 question i mean is it possible for somebody who knows the lord to actually vote for somebody who would take a life that's a great question and here's how i'd like to answer it in the few minutes that i have left okay I want to make sure everybody understands something here. And I'm going to go a long way to, to get to a point, right? So in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God creates everything, right? He creates goats and fish and, you know, creates the stars and just he, he creates everything. And then he creates human beings. And human beings are different than everything else he created because we human beings were made in the very image of God the Bible tells us. You and I were made in the image of God. A goat is not made in the image of God. A goat is created by God. A cow is created by God. Uh, a beetle is created by God. But none of them are created in the image of God. Human beings are. And that's what makes human life different than, than any other life form. Is that we're made in the very image of God. Well, in Genesis chapter 3, right, I, we talked about it just a little bit ago, Adam sins against God, right? He blows God off. He says, hey, listen, I, I don't care what you say, God, about that fruit on that tree. I'm eating it. And, and in Genesis chapter 3, this thing called sin enters into the equation of life, right? And it has a cataclysmic effect. Every single one of us have been impacted by sin, and it all started in Genesis chapter 3. All of us have this incredibly infectious disease, and it's not the coronavirus. It's something way worse, and it's called sin. We have the sin virus in us. And sin brought death. It, it separated us from, from God. Sin did a whole lot of really crummy things. And it all began in Genesis chapter uh, 3. Well, we're made in his image, right? We're made in God's image. And he loved us and he cared about us. And so basically from Genesis 3 on, you look at those 39 books in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way through Malachi. The whole message of that, of those 39 books in the Old Testament was that God was going to send a Savior. God's going to send a, a Redeemer. God's going to send a, the Messiah. And the Messiah was going to make it possible to have our sins forgiven. That was the whole point of the Old Testament, that it pointed to the fact that a Savior was coming. A Savior was going to come and make it possible for our sins to be forgiven, right? And in the Old Testament, you were saved if you believed God. You didn't know who the Savior was. You didn't know who the Messiah was. But you, you believed what God said. You believed that God was going to send the, the Savior. Okay? Well, now, now you get to uh, the end of the book of Malachi, and God goes silent for 400 years. God doesn't 
speak through any prophet. God doesn't speak through an angel. All of a sudden, for over 400 years, God doesn't say anything. He had spoken through all the Old Testament books, right? All 39 of those books. And God says, man, I'm going to send you a Savior. I'm going to send the Messiah, right? I'm going to take care of this problem of sin in your life. And then for 400 years, God doesn't say a word. Nothing. And then, God sends an angel down to... Uh, to a, a couple, and he tells them they were going to have a baby. And I just read who that couple was. Some of you think that was Mary. No, the, the God breaks 400 years of silence, and he sends an angel down to Zechariah and Elizabeth and says, you're going to have a baby. They had their baby the old-fashioned way, right? And that baby was John the Baptist. And then an angel shows up a few months later to Mary, that young virgin, and the angel says to her, you are the one who is blessed. You're the one who's going to give birth to the Messiah, to the Savior. You're the one who's going to usher in this, this promise that God had made throughout the Old Testament. And so God breaks his silence. And this time of year, we celebrate all of that, right? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. So when you get to the 27 books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts, you know, the church being born all the way through the book of Revelation, it's no longer about the Messiah is going to come. Now the message is the Messiah has come. So the Old Testament was Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Savior is coming. And the New Testament is Jesus has come. The Messiah has come. The Savior's come. And today we are saved not by believing that God will say, send a Savior. We're saved because we believe in the Savior who God sent, and that's, that's Jesus. That's how we're saved. The Bible is crystal clear. You're simply saved because you've given your life to Christ. You've surrendered your life to Him. He has become the CEO of your life. You have now allowed His Word to become you know, your will for your life. That's how you're saved. When Jesus shed his blood on that cross, it's that blood that saves you. When you put your trust in that blood, that's what matters. Okay? Now, with all that said, you're not saved because you vote for somebody or you vote for all the right people. You're simply saved because you've put your trust in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you a story. When I first gave my life to, 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 to Jesus, okay, when I first gave my life to the Lord, I had grown up and I had a, um, a pagan worldview. I had a humanistic worldview. And I was taught that, you know, those, whatever it was that was growing inside of a mother's womb, it was just simply a bunch of cells. It wasn't human. It wasn't life or whatever. And so I thought abortion was okay. Because that's what I had been taught. Now I gave my life to Christ. I don't know anything about this book, but I knew I was a sinner. I knew I had blown it. I knew my relationship with Jesus had been messed up because of sin. And I surrendered my life over to him. Now, I knew nothing of the Bible. I, I didn't know anything about Psalms 
139. I didn't know anything about Jeremiah 1. I didn't know anything about Luke chapter 1. I knew nothing about what God's Word said about life. Didn't know. But I can remember once sitting in church. I was a young Christian. And our pastor did a message on Psalms 139, 13 through 16. And I can remember sitting there going, Whoa! Wait a minute! I didn't realize what God had taught. I didn't know that God was the author of life. I didn't understand all the theological you know, truths that were out there. All I understood was I was a sinner, I was lost, and I'd given my life to Christ, and now I was saved. But in that, I, I became a disciple of, of, of the Lord, and I began to learn. And so now I heard this message on Psalms 139, and all of a sudden, all of this teaching, this worldly teaching, man, I, I was, was being confronted with, with truth, with a capital T, right? And I had a decision to make at that moment. I was either going to believe all the things that I had been taught throughout my life, that, that what was growing inside of a woman wasn't a life, or I was going to believe in what God's Word said. Well, for me, it was a no-brainer. I had become one of his followers. I had become one of his disciples. And so, obviously, I was going to believe what God's Word said. And so, all of a sudden, you know, I became somebody who, who began to not only just believe that that was a human life, but I began to do all that I could to, you know, help others believe that and see that. And so I was, my point in this is, I was a Christian who believed that abortion was okay. But I was still saved. But it was through time and discipleship, guess what? I found that the Word of God some, taught something different. And because I am a true follower of the Lord, His will became my will, you see? So it's possible that there are people out there who do know the Lord, they just don't know what the Bible teaches. Okay? So, so I just want to encourage you to realize you're simply saved because of Jesus Christ. You're, 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 you're simply saved because of what the Lord does in your life, period. And yes, you can be a believer and also believe in abortion. But when you come to know what the truth is about life, there's no way. Man, come on. You're either a follower of the Lord or you're not. Hey, listen, i got to say goodbye. Don't forget, you got a question, Rick C at bvg.org, Rick C at bvg.org. And I will look forward to seeing you or, or uh, you know, talking with you again next Wednesday, okay? See everybody later. Bye.